Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Scotland are unbeaten in the autumn and Jura's unbeaten life as a Scotland fan remains intact. We've got Wales coming up this weekend uh, and to look forward to it, I'm joined on The Breakfast Show by Matt. How are you doing, pal? Yeah, good, mate. Just uh, super excited about the, the return of kind of the proper international rugby for this for this Wales match. It, it, it's so good. It's like the horizon is just full of international rugby as well. It's like nonstop. It kind of comes out of nowhere, like having um, Wales against France last week as well. Like it's such a little treat that's just popping up everywhere. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's so exciting that Alan couldn't actually even be arsed getting out of bed to speak to us about it this morning, could he? Yeah, exactly. That shows the kind of measure of the man, doesn't it? His level yeah. of commitment. It absolutely does. Well, we're going to get into, into obviously, the Scotland-Wales um, preview. We're going to be looking back a little bit at the um, Scotland shellacking of Georgia last weekend. Scotland women's fantastic result against France. Um, but before we do that, just a quick reminder of where you can find us. We're on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. You can send us an email, thistlerugby at gmail.com, or you can sign up to our newsletter, which comes to you every week or most weeks. We didn't do one this week. Um, that is on Substack, Thistle Scottish Rugby Pod. And that just arrives in your inbox. So get onto Substack and subscribe to that. Um, couple bits of news. Um, although I suppose it's not news, but we'll talk about the Scotland women um, first. Getting a um, fantastic draw um, against France in their rescheduled um, their rescheduled women's Six Nations game. Um, 
which is quite extraordinary. What was it you were saying off air, Matt, that this is the, in terms of world ranking equivalents, this is like the Spanish men's team getting a draw with Ireland. Yeah, I mean, I didn't come up with that stat myself. I have to admit, it was it was taken from uh, Squid's Rugby's video on the on the game, which is is very good at sort of setting the the context for the match in terms of what Scotland were were up against. Uh, and yeah, in terms of world rankings, it is the equivalent in the men's game of Spain managing to draw with Ireland. Um, he he also made the point that the the aggregate scoreline over the last nine or ten meetings between the two was 16 to 400 against Scotland. So to, to get a 13-all draw is, is an absolutely incredible result. And you could you could see how much it meant to the Scotland players at the end. Um, it's phenomenal. And new, new coach Brian Eason seems to have made, um, made quite an impact. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it kind of seemed as if... Uh, just Scotland really had their defence right. France maybe had one of those kind of off days that you sometimes see a French side have. Um, and then you kind of had, you know, loads of standout performances, but particularly Jade Conkle. She made like 25 carries for 140 metres, I think. And it was Friend, yeah. her pass that, that put in Shanklin for the for the try um, and a hell of a conversion as well to, to bring it back 13 all. So yeah, ma- amazing day for the team. Yeah. You talk about, talk about sort of high pressure um, kicks from the touchline for the draw. Unreal. Just, I mean, just great to see it on BBC Alba. It's just, it's such a shame that because coronavirus has got in the way, they don't get an opportunity to sort of roll on their match against Wales this weekend is, um, has been postponed. So, I mean, at this rate, their 2020, Six Nations campaign is going to finish, like, I don't know, 2022? Yeah, it seems that way. And then I think they've got World Cup qualifiers against Spain, which, you know, you'd like to think they can build on this result and and win those games and then get into that World Cup, which would be, you know, another great event for the side and and great for the women's game in Scotland. Yeah, well, really, really excited about all that and we'll be following that very, very closely. Um, it is, as I say, it's a shame they don't get it to roll on this weekend as we do the double over Wales. Um, but, no, fantastic result for the women against against France. But, sadly, we've got to go from the good of Scottish rugby to the slightly um, the slightly bad. Um, the fallout from the um, Barbarians drinking session continues um, and it looks like Sean Maitland and... Tim Swinson are going to be part of the group of people who the RFU are taking disciplinary action against for that sort of binge in Mayfair. Um, what do you make of all this? And um, what do you think of Tooney's comments last night that Sean Maitland will be involved with the Scotland squad at some stage this autumn? Yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing just seemed to get worse and worse with people involved with the Barbarians sort of compounding mistakes with lies, basically. I think... Tim Swinson was was interviewed on Rugby Pass talking about how the Barbarians are adapting to to COVID restrictions, and he basically said that you know they they've been given a room full of beers and activities, and they just got stuck in. And then you see this video emerge of it seems almost a big chunk of the squad, sort of twenty people or so, in the pub as if there were no restrictions in place at all. So it's kind of gone from. The, the four that were originally mentioned, uh, the Saracens guys who since apologised, and Chris Robshaw, 
to a big chunk of the squad, including Swinson and, and Maitland. And, and obviously, you know, leading to the game being cancelled, the RFU losing, I think, you know, a million or so in revenues at the time when they're desperate for, for any sort of, of boost is a, a pretty horrific look. Um, I think on, on Tooney saying that Maitland would be involved, it's an interesting one because I think a lot of people have been drawing sort of the direct comparison between him and Finn Russell. I, I think what I'd, I'd say is I, I do get that comparison, but A, Sean Maitland didn't do it on Scotland duty, so I think there is a bit of a difference there. And also I think we, we need to remember that Finn did walk out of camp. It yeah. seemed as if Townsend, Townsend said you wouldn't be involved at the weekend but he didn't boot him out of the squad entirely. So there, there maybe is a slight difference there for, for in terms of the comparison. Yeah, I, I do think it's a bit of a false equivalence. I think what Maitland and, and Swinson have done was, as you say, like deeply, deeply stupid. I think it's pretty arrogant. You know, they, are, they were in a ridiculously privileged position to be playing for the Barbarians. They were being put up in a five-star hotel where like essentially the red carpet had been rolled out for them. They had their own sort of team room full of, I read somewhere that there was 4,000 beers in their team room and yet they still fancied going out on the pace. And I just think the, I think Swinson, and it's, it's so funny. Swinson was flying so high after, you know, his, his sort of late loan move to, to, to Sarri's. He, you know, was involved in um, their sort of late run in the, in the, the end of the year. And then he got caught up to the barbers and you're thinking, wow, what an amazing turn of events. And then he gets caught up on this. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, yeah, the, the COVID rules are the COVID rules. And um, I think Maitland should probably serve some sort of ban. I think this week's probably just down to the fact that he's got to isolate because he went out um, um, out of the bubble and things like that. Um, but yeah, I feel that there should be some sort of tacit <clears throat> acknowledgement that he took the piss a little bit but yeah I think um, if he apologises and he comes back into the Scotland squad and sort of isn't a disruptive presence there I can't get too um, upset about him coming back in um, but it's a pretty sort it's a pretty sort of not great affair for rugby and it's not great to have Scots involved in it but there we go um I suppose stories of Scot of Scottish rugby players going on the pair, so we're going to have to deal with those for the rest of our lives. So we're just going to have to move on. Um, I don't think there was any other news, so I thought we could start off by just having a quick look back at the Georgia game from last week. It seems like an awfully long time ago. It was it was a full week ago now. Scotland winning forty eight points to seven at Murrayfield. Darcy Graham getting a brace, uh, Fraser Brown with a brace, and then Watson McNally. Duhan on debut and Kinghorn um, at the death with tries for Scotland. Um, Matt, were, was it a useless exercise in some respects because Georgia were actually much worse than kind of everybody was expecting them to be? Yeah, I mean, I think that was my immediate feeling post the match. But when you sort of look at it again, I think before the game happened, if you'd said... Scotland are going to win by 40 points. Their defence was very good. Um, Doohan scored a try on his debut and, and looked looked lively. Majority of the squad came through injury-free, notwithstanding Matt Fagerson. And, you know, Scotland were sort of pretty professional in what they did. 
stood up to the Georgian physical threat wherever it happened, uh, you'd say actually that's that's pretty good. Brought Finn Russell back on as well, and he looked very sharp when he came on. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. it, actually it was a pretty good result. But you know, counter to that, Georgia looked as if they've gone backwards. I think mm. beyond sort of the scrum and mall, which didn't really work for them, they seemed completely bereft of ideas, unwilling to really car- carry the ball or, or put any phase play together beyond you know a, a couple of patterns. And they just didn't really seem to make life difficult for Scotland. And considering Scotland weren't maybe firing on all cylinders, you, you would have maybe expected Georgia to, to take advantage of that. So I, I get I get the point that it was maybe more of a training run than, than Scotland expected, but I think there's still a few good things to take out of it. I think absolutely. I think it was great. I, I think one, one thing that I was surprised with, I didn't expect... Finn to make the impact, maybe naively, I didn't expect Finn to make such a big difference when he came on. And I thought it was interesting that you mentioned Duhan scoring his try there. He, um, in his sort of post-match interview, he said, you know, as soon as Finn came on, he was in my ear saying, run that inside line, run that inside line. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's just that sort of like that confidence that Finn brings that he knows what will work. Um, and that, I suppose it's not to say that Adam wasn't trying that earlier on in the game, but um, I have to say I was a little bit surprised at how impactful Finn was, which I suppose bodes well for the weekend. Um, a couple of other things that stuck out, um, the walking Scotland stats man, Kevin Miller, put one up. He said that um, this is off the back of Fraser Brown getting a brace. He said that in 36 games under Townsend, hookers have scored 22 tries. That's one every 1.6 games. In the previous 25 years of Scotland rugby, they were scoring at a rate of one in 17 games. So um, I don't know whether that's just the changing nature of the hooker in international rugby, but um, I thought Fraser Brown in particular looked in fantastic touch. Yeah, definitely. I, thought, I think he's been really good for Glasgow when he's played this season as well, and obviously a struggling Glasgow team. It, th- that was another positive maybe that Scotland's mall looked really good and you know, against a team that's traditionally renowned for its mauling ability. And I think, you know, in the last couple of years, we've sort of lamented the failings of Scotland when they kick to the corner and, and have converted those uh, mauls into tries. So maybe it actually shows they're, they're better than we, we think. Uh, but it, it was good to see, you know, th- those opportunities actually being being finished. And, and hopefully that sort of bodes well for the rest of this, this Autumn Nations campaign. Well, yeah, and the um, the the rise of um, Steve Tandy's reputation as a defensive um, coach continues. I mean, I think Scotland conceded one against Georgia. We conceded um, was it one against England, one against Ireland. I mean, in in terms of his since he's begun, become Scotland defence coach. I mean, Scotland used to be really profligate in terms of sort of giving away three, four, five tries a game, and they were left trying to outscore opponents. Um, whereas now they've sort of managed to, it seems they've managed to get on top of that. And I think it looks like Steve Tandy's really got them um, as a defensive unit, um, focusing a little bit more and working a bit more on that sort of um, sort of dominant tackles where it feels like our defensive line's making a bit of a difference. Yeah, I think the defence in that first 
sort of five, ten minutes when, when Georgia had a bit of a run was, was really strong, putting a lot of pressure on them. I think zero points conceded against Italy in Six Nations and, and yep. maybe two tries against France. I'm looking, we conceded one against one against England in the pouring rain. Yeah. Um, I think it was two against Ireland. No, only one against Ireland. Um, none against Italy and well, Teddy Tom, I got one. Yeah, two against France. Yeah. So, I mean, that's four tries conceded across the whole tournament so far and then one from Georgia. So he's actually, he's only let in five tries. That's amazing. Um, which is, yeah, really a, a really interesting place for Scotland, Scotland to be because it's not where we usually are. No, not at all. And I suppose that will be tested this weekend. Um, obviously, um, Wales will offer a different and more varied threat than Georgia. Um, just while we're still on Georgia, though, I think um, a couple of points that are worth raising, particularly as we come in to talk about the squad coming up. Duhan obviously getting his um, getting his debut. What did you, what did you make of his overall performance? I think he did pretty well. I think Georgia clearly had a sort of strategy of of kind of man marking him with as many of their players as possible. So a lot of the time that he actually got the ball, he was fairly well uh, sort of reined in by the defence. But, you know, he seemed to always make, without sort of getting away from the defence, still making yards whenever he carried in those opening exchanges. And I think that the fact that he was still willing to work off the ball, come looking for chances, uh, was really good towards the end of the match. And, and that obviously led to his try from from Finn because that, that's maybe been a bit of I think looking at interviews that's maybe been one of his work-ons from you know within the Edinburgh and and Scotland camp now so you know the, the the thought of him sort of I know he's on the bench this weekend but coming on looking for opportunities in the midfield um, against a tiring defence with linking with Finn Russell is is super exciting. Yeah, and we will come back to that decision to put him on the bench um, when we talk through the squad. I thought the other one worth mentioning, particularly in relevance for this weekend, is George Horn just doing the George Horn thing when he came on. It really felt that Scotland accelerated into that last 20 minutes when he um, when he came on. Were you sort of slightly surprised to, to see um, Scott Steele preferred in front of him this weekend? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, I think... You know, it was similar with Russell coming on that they were coming on against a tiring Georgian defence, and the game was opening up. And you know, it's quite it's a bit easier to to look um, like you're performing well. But I felt like Price maybe didn't have the best game, and I think sort of Price Hastings Lang axis just wasn't quite firing before that. Um, but you could see the kind of spark that that Horn and obviously Russell brought when they, they came on. So I, I am surprised just because it seems as if Horn was sort of a, a shoe in um, bench selection, but you know, we'll, we'll maybe talk about it, but it, it seems as if the, the weather's not going to be great in, in Linethley. Scott Steele sort of, we're not seeing him play that much, but you know, has a good box kick. Um, it is maybe sort of seen as it's just a bit of a horses for courses selection given that weather and that you know it it wouldn't necessarily play to to George Horn's strengths yeah pouring you with rain and 56 miles uh 56 mile an hour winds is um that's not the flat track that George Horn would thrive on (laughs) um but we should get into that actually because obviously the big game this weekend is 
the final round of the Six Nations for Scotland, um, playing against Wales at Parky Scarlets in Linethley. Townsend named his team yesterday. Um, it is as um, perhaps many would expect with a couple of discussion points. Um, in the front row, Rory Sutherland, Fraser Byrne and Xander Ferguson. Second row, Scott Cummings uh, and the returning Johnny Gray. Back row, Jamie Ritchie and Hamish Watson are joined by Blade Thompson, who comes in for the injured Matt Ferguson. Ali Price and Finn Russell returned straight into the 10 jersey. Um, James Lang and Chris Harris in the centre is a big discussion point there with a back three of Darcy Graham, Blair Kinghorn and Stuart Hogg. Um, so, I mean, let's start from the top. Pretty solid front five, you would say. Yeah, definitely. Maybe there were surprises there is what we expected. Yeah. But it's just good to see guys who are picked on form um, Definitely. across the board there. Fraser Brown, obviously, and, and, and McAnally has sort of been battling for that two jersey, but Townsend's put his faith in Fraser, Fraser Brown. He's also vice captain for the day. Um, Sutherland and Fagerson have been on great form. We we know how Johnny Gray seems to kick on um, Exeter, and, and Scott Cummings has been one of Glasgow's best performers for, for a long time now. So I think that, that that front five has got enough to to mix it with with the Welsh front five. And it's interesting when you look at that, um, the Welsh selection, you know, that, that there are some guys who may wouldn't necessarily be first picks like Thomas Francis um, and, and Will Rulands, or, you know, Will Rulands in particular, pretty green. And the rest of that front row, Reese Carr, um, Ryan Elias, I don't know. It it just doesn't seem to maybe strike the same element of, of I don't know. Fear is the right word, but um, it's not yeah. as sort of impressive as having you know Ken Owens in there, for instance, or even mm. a, a, you know a, a Corey Hill or or someone like that who, who's sort of been there and done it when it comes uh, comes to Scotland games. So yeah, it looks like it's pretty should be a pretty good match up there. Yeah, absolutely. British and Irish Lions, Corey um, Hill, to use his um, his full title, um, Matt. Um, in the back, in the back row, um, no surprises, of course. Jamie Ritchie and um, Hamish Watson, quite rightly, becoming a sort of nailed on six and seven partnership in the Scotland jersey. Um, Blade Thompson coming in at eight. I think Townsend was fairly clear that if Matt Ferguson hadn't sustained an injury, that jersey would have remained to be. Um, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. To be his, but um, I mean, what what do you make of Blade? I still think we haven't really seen 
a lot of him in Scotland jersey due to injuries and, and various other bits and pieces. Um, do you think this is this this is a sort of last chance to make that impact that we thought he might when he um, he qualified? Yeah, it could be. I mean, he he has struggled a lot with concussion in particular, and has you know taken quite a lot of time to sort of get over those issues. I think you know if if he performs at his best, and, and I think the things he's good at are his carrying ability and his handling ability within that. And I think he's also a pretty good breakdown operator as well. So I think if he can perform at his best, then you know it will sort of be a shootout between him and him and Ferguson for that for that eight jersey. It does feel like you know he he obviously was given that the the, the starting berth in the World Cup, and to be fair, no one really played that well, but he sort of flattered to deceive. So it is potentially sort of a, a really big game for him to to sort of cement that number eight spot in what has been a bit of a um you know a problem position for Scotland for a while it's, it's a real shame about Matt, Matt Ferguson because you know a, a, that back row with with him at eight would be like seriously uh tasty yeah and he just doesn't seem to be able to get a break at international level he always seems to be blighted by injury yeah um but hopefully it's not too serious and we'll see him again as we say there is loads more international rugby coming up in the coming weeks so hopefully he will have a chance to be involved um Ali Price and Finn Russell as expected not huge amounts to say other than Finn coming sort of completing his um uh his return to Scotland straight in at the number 10 jersey for the first big game not surprised by that no I don't I don't think so I think kind of the the stars were aligned for him coming off the bench against Georgia you know, and all those things we were saying about, you know, he's trained really well. He he knows what it means to be part of the Scotland camp. Um, you know, he's just he's too too good to ignore at the moment. And and that was kind of shown in that little burst against against Georgia as well. Yeah. I did have a little bit of I don't know, I thought he could be he could have been a bit more magnanimous about coming back into the Scotland squad. Like he was sort of all over in like sort of social media, like, you know, guess who's back and um you know it's been a bit just sort of like making light of the fact that you know he did walk out of the Scotland squad during the the start of the Six Nations I felt that maybe it was naive of me to expect Finn to eat a little bit more humble pie yeah possibly I I did love it when he came on against Georgia and he was just like taking the piss he was just like laughing the whole time and like obviously that's that's what makes him him good that's what works for him you know yeah I guess you just can't um I think for too long we've been trying to mark him on the same scorecard of other like players and I think particularly listening to Hoggy talk about him and how he finds it as a sort of Hoggy is like very intense sort of like consummate professional he finds it really annoying that Finn can just sort of shake off these little mistakes and things like that but yeah. It is obviously just the way his brain works and what he needs to be relaxed and calm to play his best rugby. So well, I certainly hope he um he it works for him this weekend. Um moving on into the centre of the park, I was um I was speaking to my dad last night and he said he picked the Scotland squad on the BBC selector and got it all right apart from James Lang. And I think that's probably, you know, um what everyone was thinking. I'm not sure anybody really saw James Lang keeping his um his his spot in the twelve jersey, kind of assuming that Sam Johnson would come through the 
come through the middle and retain it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem as if... Did, did Townsend on that call say that Johnson was injured? No, Johnson's been um, actually um, almost uh, the opposite. He said that he was already back with Glasgow. He was with the sort of clutch of players that had been sent back to Glasgow, not early, but um, yeah, there was sort of him, Hugh Jones, um, George Turner, uh, and another who were in a sort of group of Glasgow players who were already back with the squad, who were being joined by more for this weekend's game. Wow. Uh, sorry, they're not playing until Monday night. So I, I don't know what's going on there, but he's not injured. Um, and I expect we'll probably see him line up against Leinster on Monday night. Very interesting. I, I did hear him say that, you know, Lang's done very well in the camp. He's, he's trained well, um, which I do get. I, I didn't think he played particularly well against Georgia. I actually felt that whole midfield of Hastings, Lang and Harris just didn't work. And and maybe that's not necessarily Lang's fault. I mean, if in a few phases he was sort of used as a bit of a crash ball merchant and I don't think that those are his strengths. But it, it didn't seem as yeah. it it just didn't seem as if Scotland had figured out a way of utilizing him um, in in tandem with with Chris Harris as well, so if he's so, there as if he's there as a second playmaker who can also kick, and he's used in that way on Saturday, then I, then I do get the selection. But considering Johnson maybe was was available, maybe he just wasn't match fit. It it does seem like a pretty bizarre, or a bit of an odd selection. So so do you believe that that is the sort of would be the rationale I mean particularly behind this partnership with um Lang and Harris it, it it looks on paper a little bit uninspiring in terms of perhaps it's a conservative choice defense first rather than a center partnership that is going to you know um create a huge number of opportunities I think so well, that that's why I'd like to think so because if you if you're expecting Lang to be hitting it up and, and gaining ground then against Owen Watkin and Jonathan Davies. I don't think that's the right option. Chris Harris is maybe a bit better at that. So it, it just depends how they how they use these guys. Um, th- there was a really interesting interview with Eddie Jones about sort of midfield in, in modern rugby and saying that the Wasp midfield at the moment of Umaga, Gopreth and Fekito is sort of seen as one of the strongest in the club game and, and they sort of did some analysis on one of Wasp's recent matches and in the whole game Gopreth playing at 12 never actually passed it to Fekitoa so I kind of think that you, you know there's things about sort of second playmaker and how you use Harris um, and the things that maybe didn't work against Georgia are solved by the fact that Finn Russell can come in he can whip passes across 12 to Chris Harris or Finn yeah. likes to play a lot of his rugby Sort of taking that um, that that sort of passing out the back from a forward, from a Jamie Ritchie, for instance, or or a Fraser Brown. So so maybe sort of the traditional midfield roles are slightly sort of changed. Um, and, and as long as you know Scott Scotland are confident that Lang and Harris are solid defensively, then. You know, so those, those traditional roles are, aren't maybe as important as they have been in the past. Well, yeah, and we'll certainly we will certainly see how it goes um, at the weekend. Um, I suppose there's the option Adam Hastings on the bench, of course, and Duhan van der Merwe. So we'll see how it, the, it would potentially 
I expect be Hastings at 10 and slipping Finn out to um, to 12 if they needed to change that one up a little bit, which it, it doesn't fill me with huge amounts of joy if they have to do that for a long period of time. Well, against Georgia, Finn came on at 10, Hastings went to 12. Which is, oh, yeah, of course. I don't know, considering the only time they've sort of played together for Scotland before, it was the other way around. It, seem, it seems a bit odd. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's like a... I don't know. It's kind of like an emergency measure. Yeah, I suppose they only had they only had two backs on the bench against Georgia, so there were, there were sort of limited options. Yeah, I um, and into the back three, extremely exciting back three, but certainly a talking point. Um, Blair Kinghorn and Darcy Graham on the wings. Darcy Graham has now scored fourteen tries in thirteen appearances at Murrayfield, uh, and then of course um, Stuart Hogg um, straight in as captain at fullback. Um, Talking point, of course, being a lot of people maybe thought Doohan was now a nailed-on Scotland starter, but Kinghorn's, um, so I suppose, versatility and his experience on the wing for Scotland seems to have kept him there. I think we did say that there's a possibility that this would happen, that Doohan would come off the bench, but we were probably expecting Maitland to be in that 11 shirt rather than Kinghorn. Yeah. So it's, it's quite an interesting one. I, if if I'm trying to get you know behind Tooney's thoughts on this, you know, I think I think the weather and the nature of the game and Wales sort of uh, tactics do revolve around kicking quite a lot. So I, I wonder if the rationale is that you put Kinghorn in there because he has more experience under the under the high ball. Although I would say from fullback at the weekend uh, against Georgia, he he did spill a couple. So oh yeah, he he's not looking you know, that solid at, at the moment. But to, to be fair, I think he's always done pretty well for Scotland on the wing. And I quite like the idea of him sort of having a bit of a roaming role, sort of coming in off the wing, popping up in midfield and, you know, not playing at fullback sort of uh, reduces the, the possibilities of sort of some of those um, errors that, that seem to have crept in his game over the last sort of 12 months. Um, you know, like, the, the idea of bringing on Duhan at 60 minutes, 65 minutes, when you've got a tiring Welsh defence is, you know, is really exciting. And you sort of yeah. do that with like the the Welsh backs who would come on. It's, you know, Lloyd Williams, Reese Patch and Nick Tompkins, all good players, but nowhere near as, as sort of impactful if, if Duhan's on his game. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, oh, a little do little Duhan um, Duhan winner off the bench would just be the absolute dream. Um, I don't know. If there's much to say, much more to say about how good Darcy Graham is and um, Stuart Hogg is Stuart Hogg. Yeah, exactly. Darcy Graham just seems to be on great form. Looking for, I love, I loved his the, the first try, even though it was ah oh, amazing. It was like a sort of like primary five minis try <laughs> tap and run but he's it's not like he's the biggest guy he's arguably the smallest guy in the pitch but just shows how like confident he is at the moment and how desperate he is to he just like backs himself to score whenever he gets the ball yeah absolutely and don't let it be said that we don't hold ourselves accountable for our um our mistakes um we dug out a tweet from january the 2nd 2018 where we were talking about darcy graham um, and we said, I love Darcy Graham, and I know size isn't everything, but I worry he's not big enough for international rugby. So Darcy's he's taken that, 
and he's just run with it. His career has been on the up ever since. I think that was Alan that wrote that. I think it must have been Alan. It really feels like Alan. He's not here, so we can blame him as well. It's definitely, definitely him. Um, so I mean that that's that's the team. It's going to be as as I say. I'm just looking at BBC weather now. Um, so what do they say? It's two o'clock kickoff tomorrow. So it's going to have stopped raining by then, but um, 53 mile an hour winds, um, actually dropping to 52 miles an hour over the sort of the course of the game. Um, but that is going to be pretty grim. And because I suppose they're not in the Millennium Stadium, it's at Parky Scarlets, they're going to be more exposed to that than they would be if they were in a sort of giant mega stadium. Yeah, it's not it's not sounding great. Um, at least it's not. It looks as if it will be dry, but that wind could have quite a big impact and maybe favours that Welsh side. Um you know, with, with bigger there in particular. I mean, Gareth Davies isn't maybe the best box kicker, but bigger is arguably a better tactical kicker kicker than than Finn. Mm. And, and yeah, you kind of look at Lloyd Williams and Reese Patrick, who I just mentioned coming on. They're also pretty good controllers of the of the game, but you know, hopefully, hopefully it's a bit more open than that, um, and and Finn can sort of take advantage. Well, the bookies have got um, Wales winning by six. Our friends over at Rugby Forecast, their sex bot has got Wales by nine. Do you th- Obviously, Scotland have had a torrid decade and a half down in Wales. Um, I think 2002, Gordon Bullock was um, interviewed in the, in the papers at the weekend, the last time we won down there. Do you think not being at the Millennium Stadium is a, is a factor in this and maybe Scotland will feel a bit more comfortable? I, I, I do, actually. And not having a crowd, I think, levels the playing field. I think one, one of the biggest factors is Wayne Pivak being the coach and it not being Gatland. There's just something about Gatland that you know instilled such confidence in his Wales squads that they were going to beat Scotland and they did they do or they did do, did so on the majority of, of occasions um, and and it's not as if Pivak has made an amazing start to his um, his tenure and you know Wales have lost four games in a row now so I think with the, those factors you know um, should should narrow the spread a lot more than it has been in the past and yeah I still you know, if we move into sort of predictions, I still do think that Wales have enough to to edge it. Um, you know, you look at sort of the spine of their team: Halfpenny, Williams, Davies, Bigger, Win Jones, Tipperick, Falatau. Those are like really high class performers who know how to beat Scotland and have done so, you know, on numerous occasions. But but I do that that you know with those factors I mentioned before and the fact that there are a few greener guys in the team, and I, I kind of do feel like Scotland have you know definitely their best chance of going down to Wales and, and winning in in a long time I think. Yeah, I'm minded, I'm minded to agree. And having watched um, Wales against France at the weekend, it wasn't the most fantastic Welsh defensive performance. There perhaps maybe there's too much made of that narrative that. You know, they shouldn't have let Sean Edwards go, but they obviously, they're not the, seemingly not the sort of defensive powerhouse that they once were. 
Um, I guess my, my concern, I think your comments on the spine of that Welsh team, and then those are essentially British and Irish Lions who have been there and done that. And, you know, a windy day in Linethley is, you know, sort of par for the course for them. They're not going to get shaken off by that. I think it's can Scotland get back to that level that saw us beat uh, beating France pre, um, pre-lockdown. You know, a lot's changed, and that sort of hit out that they've had against um, Georgia, um, you know, what have they learned about themselves versus what have Wales learned about themselves having played France last weekend? Um, so, yeah, I, I think I want to say that Scotland are going to win, but I just think it's away from home. I, I think it's going to be close, but it feels like it might be one of those really annoying, narrow losses. Yeah, that, I, yeah. I, I don't have sort of too dissent their prediction. If, I mean, you kind of think like, with Hogg, Russell, and Gray playing at that like top level of of mm. um, European rugby, you know, doing really well for their for their clubs, becoming like you know some of the best players in Europe. If if they can all have really good sort of eight or nine out of ten performances and outplay their opposition or their opposite man, then I think we 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 could win, but. Yeah, I just I just don't want to get my hopes up again going into a, into a kind of six nation style tournament because we've we've been here before and had our hopes completely dashed. We have been here before many many times. Um, well, we will see what we will see what happens, um, and we'll be back next week, hopefully at full complement if Alan can be arsed. Um, but I suppose is there any point in discussing? I mean, Glasgow are playing Leinster on Monday. I just realised I don't actually know who Edinburgh are playing. Do you? <laughs> uh, I actually don't know. I've kind of given the the pro teams fortunes recently. I've kind of switched off from from them a little bit. Um, oh, I know. So Edinburgh are playing Scarlets on Sunday, the day after the Scotland game. Yeah. I did know that. Um, but I mean, Edinburgh and uh, fairly Leinster. Good. Yeah, Leinster on Monday night. Um, Edinburgh have lost six on the spin now, which is a pretty dark hole to try and dig yourself out of. It's not great, is it? And I think Glasgow have only won one so far in the yeah. Pro 14. Yeah, only won one. And I don't believe that that is going to change against Leinster on Monday night. New. Well. <laughs> it's, uh, well, let's focus on Scotland for the time being. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I suppose it's just, yeah, I guess Edinburgh and Glasgow do get meaningfully hit by these international breaks, more, perhaps more than others. But I mean, Leinster have lost loads of players to, to Ireland, but their academy is just so strong. <laughs> They've got like a bonus point win in every game so far as well. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. It's a bit of a jerk, really. Yeah. But anyway, we will come back and we can talk about all of those things. But obviously the big one, Scotland against Wales, 2.15 on Saturday. Um, Very, very exciting. We look forward to that. And we'll be back with the newsletter at the start of next week. And then I think we'll continue this trend of coming to you after the Scotland team has been announced. It gives us a little bit of a focus on what we're talking about. So what is our next game? Is it um, the first in the Autumn Nations Cup? Uh, Yes which is... Italy? I think so, yeah. One of those ones. 
Anyway, let's get six nations out of the way and then we can focus on the Autumn Nations Cup. So we'll be back next week. Follow us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod. We'll be live tweeting during that game on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. Send us an email, thistlerugby at gmail.com. And then, as I say, subscribe to the newsletter, Substack, um, Thistle Scottish Rugby Pod. Come on, Scotland. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.